The FinTech 5 podcast is sponsored by NTT Data Services. NTT Data Services, a global business and IT innovator, partners with clients to navigate and simplify the modern complexities of business and technology, delivering the insight, solutions, and outcomes that matter most. Basically, they get stuff done. Learn more at nttdataservices.com. Frederick Douglass said, if there's no struggle, there's no progress. This is the FinTech 5, where we talk to those who are making real change, not playing innovation theater or FinTech hype machine. I'm Jason Henricks, and this is the FinTech 5. Pleased to have Mike Levin, CEO of the Currency Cloud, a leading platform for B2B international payments with us today. He is an old hand in financial technology and in full disclosure, someone I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with for many years. And I know you also have no shortage of opinions and aren't afraid to break industry norms. So let's start with fintech. How do you define it? And is it the death of banking as we know it? Listen, so fintech are those technologies around the handling of, I I believe, of sort of retail and commercial money. There's been a huge capital market software business that predated this fintech revolution for a long time, it was always known as capital markets um, and had many of the same characteristics, but never really got the same kind of hype. It was only when those kinds of technologies started addressing uh, consumer demand and based on uh, uh, really consumer facing and mobile facing that, that fintech was born. So, so to me, fintech, um, though, of course, can be inclusive of capital markets, really, really is focused on um, a commercial and consumer products that sort of ease the financial system uh, for small businesses and individuals. So is it about to disrupt everything as we know it, or is this actually just an extension, as you said, of what the capital markets technology had already been doing for a long time in a different sector, which, while it displaced portions of it, it you know by no means was instant revolution that led to the tearing down of all of the banks and the towers that they've built over the years. Uh, I'm not a utopian. I think that the the franchise of the major banks is far more resilient than um, many of the the fintech entrepreneurs give it, um, and it's been built up over not just of decades, but over in some cases hundreds of years, backed by capital and infrastructure. So it, it's I don't really believe that we'll sort of march around the banks. Them seven times and they'll they'll disappear. And so you know the, the the downside of the big financial institutions, of course, is they're slow, and they're slow to adapt, and they have layers of uh, technology and compliance and bureaucratic systems that make them slow moving. But those layers are actually intentional um, to provide a certain set of stability. So I think that fintech will change how uh, large financial institutions relate to consumers and small businesses, but I in no way expect um, major large financial institutions, for which I we often talk about the banks and seem to forget the card companies who are just as large and just as important. Uh, I don't see those institutions um, uh, going away anytime soon at all. But given their slow-moving infrastructure and regulatory approach, you would think that that what maintains their status quo, but it would create the opportunity for someone to disrupt them. 
you're, what's actually maintaining the status quo in the market where you think market forces would actually drive someone who could move quickly and better identify and address evolving needs? So, so listen, we, we've all, we all know the story about that millennials, millennials buy things differently and that um, uh, people who use an iPhone and are related to kind of mobile in their personal life um, ultimately bring those considerations into their professional and their business life. So the relationship of how individuals and businesses relate to financial systems will be transformed dramatically. Now, whether you call that disrupted or not, I don't know. But rather than walking into a branch, the fact that you'll have your transaction through a customizable mobile app um, that will be sensitive and understanding of your needs. I don't necessarily see that as disruptive. That's that's simply the evolution that every other industry has gone through. Whereas in banking, we think of that as disruptive. So so how you relate to financial services and have the services themselves customized for you is being transformed dramatically. And whereas fintech entrepreneurs, whether it's in personalization and, and lending, whether it's in personal financial management whether it's in new structures in terms of how current account works and in branchless banking, all of those things are going to be massively transformative in how small businesses, uh, businesses at large and individuals uh, relate to relate to their own finances. So uh, I sort of look at that as more indiv- is more evolutionary than, than disruptive because after all, you know, other industries, whether it was the telephone industry or the utility industries, have gone through those kinds of uh, transformations where the supply chains are broken up and the, the large uh, monopolies are broken up and distribution is separated from uh, uh, exploration and, and various components. Um, but in the end, that's really just a transformation into a modern digital world and the existing retail banks are going to get there and the the fintech industry is going to p- provide the rails and the knowledge of consumers and how consumers behave that's going to get them there so it's all going to it's all going to be sort of of a piece working together but i still see the major infrastructure being the large banks hmm. within the b2b side Where's the transformation going to come from? Because I would think that's where it's ripe and a lot can be done. You know, someone like Currency Cloud, right? Give us your perspective on where that opportunity is that you can actually not just be transforming it, the interface layer, but you can actually transform either business models or strategies or entire infrastructures. So what's the the, the economic transformation is to um, e-commerce sites or to sharing sites or to places where the the actual um, economic relationship between the parties isn't so simple as buyer and seller. It can be one to many, it can be many to many, it can be many to one, um, so that you've got a transformation in business models. The the in consumers, uh, transactions tend to be discrete. You do one transaction, then you do another. Mm, uh, yeah. In business transactions, they can be time bound. They can be aggregated, they can be disaggregated, they can relate to payroll data, they can relate to trade finance, they can be mixed in a whole series of different ways. So that the business accounts and business relationships in terms of finance tend to lag the consumer. Additionally, the the, uh, iPhone or the, the mobile interface is interesting for business and it affects the individuals, 
But in fact, businesses relate in ways system to system that are far beyond that. I think more interesting for businesses, everything that to do with APIs of where you you'll get a connection from your payroll system or your your uh, trade finance system uh, directly into the bank. Uh, so that the data can actually be shared, not just the individual transaction. So coming to the end here, rapid fire, give me your one-sentence answer to three quick questions here. First, what is the most overhyped part of fintech today? So the the world of Bitcoin and blockchain as delivering something now. It, it may deliver in the future, but for the time being, it's utopian, fascinating, but there's nothing, but not much there that can help my customers and their customers today. Uh, I'll have you know, several of us who know you had bets on what you were going to say, and no one was willing to take the opposite side of the bet that you were going to say the Bitcoin and blockchain immediacy. Mm. Um, so what's the most underrated part of fintech today? Oh, let's see. That's interesting. So payments are boring, um, but uh, transformation in real-time payments um, in the U.S. and globally, so that people get paid and get their money instantaneously, uh, which tr- requires, especially in the U.S., massive transformation in the guts of the payment system, I think is, is, a, is a massive transformation that people are seeing. All right. So last, what is your biggest pet peeve? Well, listen, my biggest pet peeve is, um, and maybe this is the European way of looking at it, the massive soup of regulation. Um, w, WTR2, MLD4, PSD2, GDPR, MIFID, there's just a multiplicity right now of algorithms of regulation, all of which have come in the last 12 months, each one of which is important by itself, um, each one of which makes sense. But when you add it together, it makes the task of innovation incredibly more costly, incredibly more difficult. And that itself, I think, is causing a a tremendous restructuring around um, the whole of the financial industry between regulated and unregulated and how services will be provided. Yeah. Oh, and let's not forget, they not only conflict with the historical regulation, they even can be conflicting with each other, just making it that much harder. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Mike will be making several appearances at Money 2020 this year, and his opinions are not to be missed particularly if they can be enjoyed with a glass of wine and a small soapbox for him to stand on. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you very much, Jason. Always good to talk with you.